why don't you get your Bible and, and I need you to turn to two passages of scripture, but if you can't do that, if you can't do that, then just go to the second one. So I need you to turn to Acts chapter 13 and Habakkuk or Habakkuk, if you, if you want to pronounce, usually the, the correct pronunciation, I learned this in Bible school, Habakkuk, uh, but by out here in East Texas, we call it Habakkuk. And so whichever one, and if you're trying to figure out where Habakkuk is and you're not clicking, nowadays we click, but if you have like a real Bible, analog Bible, then if you start at Matthew and I think you go left, like, you know, five chapters, five, five books, then you're going um, to get to Habakkuk. And, um, and we're going to continue a series that we've been in talking about um, check your bags, been talking about check your bags. And all of this really is aimed at the Freedom Conference this weekend. So make sure, again, that you're registered for that. But today, we're going to... Now, I'll just, I'm going to go ahead and just tell you right up front. Uh, that way, we can see if you walk out or not. And, um, but today, I really... I'm going to talk about the work of the enemy, but I'm going to talk about demons today. So that ought to be interesting, right? A little Ace Ventura. We're going to exercise the demons. Um, <laughs> this house is clean. Um, anyway, and throw back to the nineties anyways. Um, so we're going to talk about, because I think we, we need, we need to understand and not all freedom is not all bondage is because of the enemy, but a lot is, uh, some bondage again is lies. We believe, of course, those came from the enemy doors we've opened. We've talked about all of those things. Um, but some of the bondage, a lot of the times the bondage, listen, we need to understand um, that we're in a, there's a spiritual world. In fact, you're a spiritual being. And so many times we think we're a physical being and we're, we're someday going to have a spiritual experience when the truth is you're a spiritual being and you're temporarily having a physical experience, but for all eternity, you're going to be a spiritual being. That's, that's why at, at, at the end of time, as we know it, the return of Christ then or or death should you go by way of the grave at that point you, you there is eternity to consider and you either live for eternity or you die for for eternity eternal damnation i know people don't believe it and they don't like to talk about it. there is an actual heaven and everybody believes in heaven if you're not a christian you believe in heaven there can't be a heaven without a hell because jesus talked about both of them and so we say, oh, I love Jesus. Jesus takes us to heaven. Yes, and Jesus also talked about hell. Well, a good God would never send people to hell. He doesn't send you. You choose. He doesn't, God is ne hell was not prepared for mankind. It's prepared for demons <laughs> and the devil, right? But uh, God respects your choice to not choose him. And when you choose to not choose him, you have eternity without him, which is hell. Right, so God, you know, people. Why would a good God send people to hell? Why, why would you not choose a good God? You know, let's just think about it for a minute. Um, so, uh, anyways, I can't get into all that, but we're going to talk about demons today. So, Acts chapter thirteen. Um, this uh, Paul, Paul, the apostle Paul, is preaching a message in Antioch, uh, Pisidia. Pisidia. Now, this is different than Antioch of Syria, okay? So Antioch of Syria was the big, I mean, incredible church movement where they were sending out, in fact, they sent out Paul and Barnabas. They sent out missionaries, incredible things. Both of them are in Turkey, but Antioch, Pis Antioch Pisidia is kind of northwest of Antioch, 
Syria, okay? So just so we know that. I know you were sitting there this morning having your Cocoa Krispies and really trying to figure out those things. But just so you know, so he's preaching in Antioch, Pisidia, um, and, uh, and he's, he makes a point, and we're going to follow it. So here we go. Acts 13, 36. It says, For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and, and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. So he's preaching about Jesus, all right? And he's saying Jesus was raised. He didn't see corruption, okay? In other words, he didn't, didn't rot in the grave. He was raised, all right? Verse 38, let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, Jesus, is the forgiveness of sins, or the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything which you could not be freed from by the law of Moses. So remember, we're talking about freedom, right? Talking about freedom. And here's what he said, through Jesus, there's freedom. The law can't bring you freedom. In fact, religion can bind you up, but Jesus brings freedom. Now here comes a caution or a warning in verse 40. Beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come about. Okay, so now he's going to quote from Habakkuk or Habakkuk, whichever way you want to pronounce it. Verse 41, look, you scoffers, be astonished and perish, for I am, a do, for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe even if one tells you. Okay, so he's preaching about Jesus. All right, and here's what he's saying, and we're going to go read it in Habakkuk or Habakkuk. All right, so uh, he's preaching about Jesus, and he's saying he's he's saying, "Hey, remember how Habakkuk was talking about this? Jesus was going to come. He was going to God was going to do something, and they were going to miss it." And he's saying, "Hey, be careful that you don't miss what God's doing right now." All right, so it's always a caution with with the Holy Spirit. He's like, "Hey." Tune in, be careful that you don't miss what God's doing. So let's find out again, because, and, and here's what I want you to understand. He's warning them, if we go back, he's warning them the same as Habakkuk. He's warming, warning them that, hey, when Habakkuk prophesied this, the enemy was blinding the eyes of the people of God so they couldn't see what God was doing. So here's what he's saying. They were missing what God was doing because of the work of the enemy. All right? So let's go to Habakkuk um, chapter 1, and we're going to just stay in chapter 1 because I'm going to read a couple verses. We'll come back to some other verses. Habakkuk chapter 1, it says, verse 5, Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded, for I work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told to you. So there's the same verse, right? But now let's go and see what the enemy was up to, okay? For indeed, God says, I am raising up the Chaldeans, a bitter and hasty nation which marches through the breadth of the earth. Now look at this. To possess dwelling places that are not theirs. Dwelling places that are not theirs. So just in case you're wondering today, I'm going to talk about excess baggage Excess baggage, and we're going to talk about demons. Chaldeans are a type or a shadow of demons in the Bible. In fact, if you look up the word Chaldeans in the exhaustive Bible dictionary of names, right? If you just look up Chaldeans, it'll say Chaldeans as it were demons, 
So most theologians, most people who study the Bible and, and actually believe in demons um, will tell you that there are types, and I'm going to show you some of the types today, but there are types of demons. You can see them in the Old Testament, and Chaldeans are one of those types. Chaldeans um, were actually uh, a very small people group. In fact, their whole territory is about the size of New Jersey, um, and, but yet they conquered, and we're going to see this, they conquered Babylon, they conquered Assyria, they, they were very crafty, very cunning, and they were never conquered until they were destroyed. Which is kind of what we read when we see demons in the Bible. They're never, they never go away until they're finally destroyed in the end. Are you with me? Are you tracking? And so it's, it's, a, it's like a type. Okay, it's a type and a shadow. And so we're going to talk about it uh, today. And so uh, let's pray. And I'll just tell you, I had it last night. Um, I was trying to go to bed. And uh, I don't know who all of a sudden made plans to be here today. But when you do that, you mess up my message. Um, because then the Holy Spirit will start making me change stuff because you decide to show up. <laughs> and uh, like he knew the people that already planned to be here. But some of you that just decided last night, you're the reason I didn't sleep last night. Okay. <laughs> I hope you're real happy about that. But I was trying to get ready to go to bed. My brain doesn't work past about 10 o'clock. And the Holy Spirit just started speaking to me about changing the message and changing everything around. And I was like, Holy Spirit, can we do this in the morning when my, when my brain works? So I got, and so he woke me up. <laughs> this is no lie. Before my alarm went off about 5 o'clock this morning, he nudged me and said, Hey, remember, we got to get up and we got to do some work on the message. So I changed it all around. And uh, in fact, this message was originally going to be one. Now it's going to be two. So I'm going to give you the first part today. You had to come back next week for the second part. Um, but I just feel like the Holy Spirit wants to minister today. So let's ask for his help. Holy Spirit, this is your, this is your, this is your church. This is your time. You come speak and do what you want to do. And God, I just say the gates of hell will not prevail against the church and what you want to do today. Um, in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. So, um, so yeah, so the Chaldeans are a type of demons. So when we're talking about the Bible, and I think most people are superstitious enough. I, you know, it's interesting. You talk to people outside of the church and they believe in the spiritual realm. <laughs> and sometimes you talk to people inside the church and they're like, no, we don't really believe that. It's like, huh? It's interesting to me. Like, because now we have a lot of people like, um, they're spiritual but not religious. Now, there's a lot I could say about that that I won't, but I'm just saying it's interesting that spirituality seems to be almost sometimes more welcomed outside of the church than inside of the church. And in here, we have all these doctrines about things, and people have doctrines where they say there are no demons. Let me remind you that Paul told Timothy that there would actually be doctrines given by demons. I think the number one doctrine given by demons is that there are no demons. Because if I were a demon and I convinced you there were no demons, then I could rob and pillage and torment you and you'd think it was your husband. And you'd think it was life or your boss or <laughs> no elbowing right now. <laughs> Some husbands like, see, I told you <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and so, um, and so, I, I, you know, when you study the Bible, you'll see that demons are clearly mentioned now, not counting all types and shadows, but they are clearly mentioned 82 times. 
61 times they're mentioned in the Gospels. A lot of people say, why are they mentioned so much in the Gospels? Because when Jesus came, he was the first person with the authority over them, right? A lot of Jesus' ministry had to do with demons. Matthew 8, 16, this is just, I couldn't, by the way, I'm going to give you so much scripture today, and please know, for every verse I give you, I took out about four verses. Just know that, okay? So you're welcome. All right, so, um, but Matthew 8, 16, that, that evening, many demon-possessed people. Is this in the Bible? Yeah. Now, let me say, there's another demonic doctrine where they say, well, Jesus pretended to cast out demons because the people of that day believed there were demons, but Jesus really knew there wasn't demons, but he just pretended. And I would say, well, if that was it, Jesus is a liar and a manipulator, so he cannot be God, right. nor could he be a sinless sacrifice. Like sometimes if we just think a little bit, we'll find out a lot of our traditions and doctrines were created by man to make us comfortable, but they have no truth behind them. Many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. How many? Many. And he cast out the evil spirits with a simple command and healed all the sick. By the way, just a couple of references. Luke 9, he gives his disciples authority over demons. And in Mark 16, he gives you power over demons. So if Jesus doesn't think there are demons, yet he spent a lot of time delivering people from demons, giving his disciples over. In fact, they marveled. They're like, Lord, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. You remember this? Right? Remember this? It's in your Bible. I didn't make it up. So, so if they're there, now a lot of people, well, they went away. Okay, find that in the Bible. By the way, let me say something I've said many times. Um, I, don't, I don't ask you to believe me because I'm standing up here with a microphone and an iPad. Take anything I say and go study it. But let the Bible interpret the Bible. Don't get on YouTube. Don't get on Instagram. The Bible will always interpret the Bible. Right? Don't start, you know, it's, sometimes it's hard to hear God when you start with what you want him to say. Right? And you don't start with you and go to the Bible and say, well, I don't believe there's demons, so I'm going to find it in the Bible that there are no demons. It's not how you start. You start by saying, God, you are God. This is your word. You show me. Like we got a generation of people that are reading into the text what they want it to say. And they get a half of a scripture here and a quarter of a scripture there. And all your, listen, that's more demonic than anything. And by the way, the, the Bible talks harshly about those who take away or add in to the word of God. You might want to read that. So let me give you an Old Testament shadow. I mentioned this one, but let me give it to you. Ezekiel 34, 1. Now, how many know there are types and shadows? Okay, I'm going to show you like three of them right here. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds. Time out. Do you think God was mad at literal shepherds? Like God joined, you know, PETA, and he's like, they're just not being nice to the sheeps. <laughs> Do you think that? So who are the shepherds? Everybody said pastors, right? Okay. So prophesy against the shepherds or pastors of Israel. Prophesy, thus says the Lord to the shepherds, woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Time out. Who's the flocks? Are we talking about literal sheep or are we talking about people? people. Talking about people. So they were scattered, the, the, the sheep were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food, look at this, for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. Do you see that? 
Now, here's the problem. We say, shepherds, well, that's the pastors. And sheep, that's the people. And then we say, the beast of the field, well, that's lions and tigers and bears. That's what we do. We say it's lions and tigers and bears. But as I told you, beast of the field is a picture of the demonic. I'll give you two references really quick. Genesis 3, we read this one. But Satan was more cunning than all the beasts of the field. Are we saying, now the devil was more crafty than the buffalo. Doesn't make sense. Like it's right there in the Bible if you read it. It's like right there. Let me give you this from Mark 1.13. This is Jesus being tempted. And it says, Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, or, or there Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan and was with the wild beasts. And the angels ministered to him. And we'll read that and we'll say, yep, Jesus is out there in the wilderness with Satan and the lions and tigers and the bears and the angels. No, uh-uh. Because if you're Satan and you're taking on the Christ, you don't come by yourself, right? So I'm just saying there, there are types and shadows. By the way, we'll look at another one later, but locusts are another one. You see it in Joel chapter 2, and we'll get to that in just a minute. Let me give you just, don't try to write this down. Just go back and listen to the podcast or watch it on YouTube. There are 14 demonic spirits named in the Bible. By the way, we cover all this at the conference in a little more detail. A spirit of infirmity, and I wish I could talk about each of these. But do you understand a lot of times Jesus healed people by casting out a spirit of infirmity? There are spirits that make you sick. I'm not saying everybody that's sick has a demon. That's not what I'm saying. Don't, don't put words in my mouth. But I'm just saying, remember the woman who had the, the uh, she had a, in fact, I'll get to that in a minute. All right. Spirit of infirmity, spirit of fear, spirit of divination, spirit of bondage, spirit of whoredoms, spirit of haughtiness, spirit of perverseness, spirit of antichrist, spirit of deaf and dumbness, spirit of heaviness, spirit of lying, spirit of jealousy, spirit of stupor, and spirit of error. All those are in your Bible. I didn't make any of those up. Um, in your Bible are seven categories of demonic power, by the way. There are thrones, lordships, rulers, authorities, principalities and powers, rulers of darkness, and evil and unclean spirits. It's all in your Bible. So remember, let's go back because let me explain something. A lot of times people will say, Satan's coming against me. Prob probably not. Probably not. His demons are. So when the Bible talks about the work of the enemy, most of the time it is carried out by demons. Does that make sense? So there is Satan and then there is his work, right? And, and like I would love to think I was important enough to merit Satan's attention to personally come after me, but I'm probably not that big of a big shot. You understand what I'm saying? But I have encountered some demons. And I have encountered, I've got some master classes on some spirits. Like, if you want to meet the spirit of Jezebel, go plant a church. And, and it, it's, it can be in, in a guy or a girl. Um, it, it's for real, and it's ferocious. Um, so, yeah, I got story, the untold stories of Pathway. Anyways, um, but let me give you an example. In Luke 13, this is what I was about to reference. So there's this woman who is bent over, Right? And, and she has a spirit of infirmity, but Jesus basically says it's the work of Satan. Let me show you this. 
Luke 13, 16, so ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham who Satan has bound. So he's saying Satan bound her. Think of it for 18 years, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath. So, so this woman, Jesus heals her by casting out a spirit of infirmity, but he said, hey, Satan had bound her. Well, how did Satan bind her? He sent a spirit for 18 years. Are, are you seeing? Are you with me? And so we need to know that, that when we're talking about the enemy, there is Satan, and then there, there is the work of Satan, that Satan has an army of, of, of fallen Angels, most theologians say, is where they came from. But they're disembodied spirits. And there's an army of them, and they're demons. By the way, their holiday is coming up at the end of this month. And, and I'm not going to get on, should we have Halloween or not have Halloween? You know, you, you and the Holy Spirit work that out. You know, for, 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 for my house, I always feel like the, whole, the only ghost welcome to my house is the Holy Ghost. Everybody else got to stay out. Right? <laughs> I just... But sometimes we play with things we don't really we don't really think about what we're playing with because demons are real, right? And uh, anyways, I can't get into all that. And somebody's going to email me and can my kids have candy? Yeah, you can feed them candy. My kids eat candy. I'm just saying, be careful. You know, use some wisdom. Um, so I want to give you when we go back to looking at the Chaldeans being demons, I want to give you three three ways that they work. Um, I'm going to give you one this week and two next week, okay? So this one, this one we see when we're talking about demons or the Chaldeans, it's a picture. And you can write this down, so you have to come back next week, right? But first one is, what do demons do? They steal. They steal. Um, look at Habakkuk 1.6. Oh, it's going to get more intense. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, Habakkuk 1.6 says, for, we read this, before I'm indeed raising up the Chaldeans... A bitter and hasty nation. Now, some people say, why was the Lord raising up the Chaldeans? Here was why. Because every time Israel would go into rebellion against the Lord, he would allow an enemy or raise up an enemy in order to get... He would actually... If, let me say it another way. He would use the enemy to, to bring Israel back to him. Because most of the time, we won't call out to God until we're in trouble. Most of the time, our prayer life is really good when the fit hits the shan, but really bad when everything's going well. And, and so, by the way, there's a scripture in, you know, in Exodus where he's talking about Pharaoh, and he said, I'm going to raise him up to show my power through him. He's not talking about Moses. He's talking about Pharaoh. So the children of Israel were in rebellion to God. So God said, I'm raising up this army. Um, it's a bitter and hasty nation which marches through the breadth of the earth. Now look at this because it's going to get fun to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. Hmm. wonder what that's talking about. To possess, because what the Chaldeans would do, they would come, they're squatters, they're wanderers and they're squatters, and they would come to find an empty place or a house that wasn't theirs, and they would possess it. They would enter it. Satan is always after what belongs to God. Let me help you something. The demons are not after the unbelievers. They've already got them. He's all, how does this thing start with Satan? He wanted a throne that wasn't his. Right? In Genesis, he wanted an earth that wasn't his. And all throughout the Bible, he wants a people who are not his. Why does he want to take the people of God in bondage? Because they're God's people. And he is always after what belongs to the Lord. Um, 
<laughs> I'm about to answer, can, can a Christian have a demon or can a person be demon-possessed? So just buckle in if you're wondering. Yeah, that's where I'm going. <laughs> but let me show you some more scripture first. John 10, 1, it says, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. Here's what he's saying. Satan doesn't come in through the gate. That's Jesus. He doesn't come in through the door. He doesn't come in the right way, but he is trying to get in. Let me give you, um, verse 10 says he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He's trying to get in and steal. Um, Lamentations 1.10, let me give you this one. Lamentations. The enemy laid, laid hands on all her treasures. She saw pagan nations enter her sanctuary those you had forbidden to enter the assembly. Joel 2.9, they run, this is locusts, by the way, they run to and fro in the city, they run on the wall, they climb into houses, they enter at the windows like a thief. Talking about demons. Now this one is where, this is getting fun. Psalm 74.3, lift up your feet to the perpetual desolations. The enemy has damaged everything in the sanctuary. Do you see what it said? What's the enemy trying to do? He's trying to sneak in through the window, however he can get into your life, right? But look what he's trying to do, da- damage everything in the sanctuary. Now do me a favor. Based on the New Testament, point to the sanctuary. Someone asked me one time, can a Christian have a demon? This was my response. God has given all authority to Christians. You can have whatever you want. And some people are very happy with their demons. Um, But now let me give you a more, maybe a better response. It's still kind of the same. When, when, when we were reading, they brought all demon-possessed to Jesus. You need to understand there are two words in the Greek that get translated possessed in English. Uh, one means to own, and then the word used in that text, usually talking about demon possession or demonic possession, is a word that's demonizomai, demonizomai. And demonizomai doesn't mean own it means to master over or to gain power over. That's why some translations have started doing this. A lot of theologians will say when we're talking about can a person be demon-possessed, it really an accurate way to say that is demonized. Now, I have met people that I would say are demon-possessed. I have cast demons out of people. If that makes it weird, then go on a mission trip. It's just, they're just... Easily seen. By the way, right now, if, you, if you'll pay attention, uh, demons are more easily seen than ever before. Uh, Satan is overplaying his hand out of fear. And, uh, and, and, and I mean, they're more easily seen. Like, you know, and uh, I better not say that. <laughs> Jesus. So, 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 but what I'm saying, I'm going to back up from that one for right now. Um, <laughs> but what I'm saying is, that they're more easily seen. But a lot of times when you see the power of God manifest, a lot of times you'll, you'll start seeing demons manifest. 
and it can look like different things, and, and I don't want to get into all that. There's nothing, no, no reason to be scared. I'm just trying to qualify the idea that we are not alone on planet Earth, okay? Um, and so uh, let me give you Luke 21, 19. Uh, Jesus says, by patience, possess your souls. So he is not saying you own your soul because you were what? Bought with a price, right? But what he's saying is, in, in all diligence and patience, master your soul. Take mastery over your mind, your will, and your emotions, right? Cast down thoughts that don't come from God, right? Set your heart on the things of God. Like you master your mind, your will, and your emotions. So, so let me ask you something. When we're talking about demons and specifically believers, and we're talking about demonized people, here's what we're saying. We're saying the enemy will come and try to gain mastery over you in an area, and he will, he will influence your behaviors. He will influence your thinking. And this is how he takes you in bondage. Um, today, when you, when you left your house, let's just say you left a window open. Now, would it be possible for a thief to find a window you had left open and to come into your house and to steal and pillage and plunder or whatever? Would that be possible? Does he own your house? But has he gained access to it? And if left unattended, will he master or take control of it and take from you? Yeah. Let's just, so, so, so it's possible then for a thief, to, like a Chaldean, like a demon, to find a place in our lives that we have left open, some of those we've been talking about for the last few lies and generational iniquities. It is possible for him to find a way in, and if he comes in undetected, he'll start stealing from you. Is it also possible um, for a Christian, let's say, to be having fun one night and start drinking, and let's just say drink a little too much. Now, I'm not going to get on Christians and drinking. You work out your salvation, you and Jesus, okay? But I'll say this. There's a reason why he said don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the Spirit. There's a reason why Peter says be sober. Why? Because there's an adversary. There is also a reason why they call it spirits. <laughs> Wine and spirits. And let me just say, I'm going to say something that you don't have to raise your hand, but some of you that's had a lot of the spirits knows when you get a lot of spirits in you, there's a lot of spirits. Okay, you don't act like you don't know. That's fine. Just act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I'm going to call your college roommate. Now, stop it. All right, so, but is it possible for a good Christian, let's say a good Christian man, and, you know, has a bad day or whatever, and, and starts drinking and just drinks too much, and is it possible under the influence of those spirits that he might do something or say something that he would not normally do? Yeah, and that's, that's what we're talking about with demons. Demons get into our lives, and, and they try to influence and gain mastery and take us into bondage in a lot of areas, right? We, we have a generation that have been taken into bondage with love. Oh, I'll get on. Anyways, but, but this is what he does. Um, 
I want to show you something because it's so good. The Chaldeans were wanderers, all right? They, they were wanderers. Um, but let me show you what Jesus says about unclean spirits or demons. Look at this, Matthew 12, 43. This is so good. Matthew 12, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Time out. Notice... Notice where, where he's looking. Dry places. Okay. Then he says, I will return to the house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. By the way, this is all Jesus talk, right? This is all in red. All right, he goes and takes in the seven spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of the man is worse than the first. So shall it also be with this wicked generation. Look at, look at this. Demons are looking for dry places, clean, dry places. Let me ask you a question. When Jesus said in John 7, if you believe, he said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. He was likening the Holy Spirit to what? Water. To a river. When Jesus in John 6 said, my words are spirit. My words are spirit. One of the best ways to safeguard your life against demonic activity is be filled with the spirit and be filled with the word. I don't know if they can't swim or they just don't like water. I just know they're looking for dry places, okay? They're looking for dry places. And this is my concern, honestly, for the church. Why I think we need revival. The church, to me, is more branded and popular than ever, but more dry than ever. Which tells me it's probably more full of demons than ever. In fact, I'll just say, you know, lately I've been saying some bold things. And there are people that's like, that's not your lane. You shouldn't be in that lane. My whole thing is, well, when someone's on the third story of a building that's on fire, I don't ask myself if I'm a fireman before I pull the fire alarm. The other thing is, I have all compassion for people, but I'm sure tired of the church making demons comfortable. I'm glad you're clapping because it's going to get worse. So... <laughs> All right, Daniel chapter 1. So most people don't know this, but Nebuchadnezzar was a Chaldean. Yeah, Nebuchadnezzar was a Chaldean, and the Chaldeans took over Babylon and Assyria. And so Nebuchadnezzar was actually a Chaldean who ruled over Babylon. And so let's look at what he did. Daniel 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim Judah, of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Now watch this. And some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of God. Notice what he did. He robbed the temple. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring him some of the children of Israel, some of the king's descendants, and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good looking. So in other words, he's going to take men captive. This is how... Um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Abednego and, and Daniel, this is how they get taken because he said, I want young men who are, who are good looking. So, you know, probably I would have been taken. Um, yeah. 
Y'all are not nice. That was painful. Why are y'all laughing? So, yeah, I probably would have been taken, regardless of what you say. If, according to my mom, I would have been taken. Um, gifted and always, see? I mean, it's, my, it's like, here, it's my resume. Possessing knowledge, quick to understand, had the ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach. Now, look at this. They might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. Do you see that? Do you see that? Teach the language and the literature. What did he say? Doctrines of demons? I mean, it's in your Bible. Isn't that crazy how it's there? And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa! And the king appointed them for daily provision of the king's delicacies and wine, which he drank, and three years of training. So at the end of time, they might serve before the king. This is what, this is, this is what Nebuchadnezzar a Chaldean did. He stole two things, right? First of all, he stole the next generation. And here's how he did it. He discipled them. He changed their minds. I'm going to teach them the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And he changed their appetites. I'm going to put them on this rich diet. What do you think he's doing today? I'm not against social media, but there's a lot of discipleship going on on social media. I'm not against YouTube. We're on YouTube. But there's a lot of discipleship of the Chaldeans. And I'm just going to say it's going to be very bold, and I'm going to get hate mail, and I don't care. Um, My heart is hurting because we have a generation, which I have kids in this generation, um, especially with Z, but also millennials, um, who are confused about even who they are to the point of I don't even know what gender I am because they've been told gender is more about an an awareness or a feeling or an emotion than it is about physical biology. And I can tell you, and I want you to hear me, if you're a young person, you may get mad, but I'm going to tell you the truth. And if you want to be mad, then I'll just keep praying for you like I do anyway. If you're confused about it, God is not the author of confusion. So if you're confused, let me tell you, everyone, and I'm going to say this and I'm going to get, yeah, whatever. But I'm not going to back up from it. If you're confused about your gender, more than likely you're being discipled by a demon. I'm not saying God doesn't love you. I'm not saying, in fact, God loves you a whole lot. He would rather disciple you about who you are. His word speaks to who you are. But you need to understand demons are real, and this is what they do. They try to steal the next generation, and how do they do it? They teach them the language and literature of the demons. They disciple them. And they also change their appetites to be a rich appetite of all the things we crave, the lust of the flesh. Right? Because it was a rich, it was, remember Daniel said, will you just give us fruits and vegetables? Why? Because this was a rich appetite with all these delicacies and all these wines. And what they're saying, they're saying, hey, whatever tastes good, that's what we want to train you to go for. We want to train you to go for what feels good, seems good, tastes good. We want to heighten the desires of your flesh. 
And what do you think the enemy's doing with our generation? Will you do me a favor and every day you pray, will you pray for Pastor Jadev and Kayla, our student team, and all of our students? Will you do that for me? All right, now I'm going to, that was fun, but now it's going to get worse because I'm going to tell you the second thing. The second thing he stole was he stole the treasury from the house of God. He wants to rob the tithe. Boy, y'all were louder on the other. I don't know. I got more claps on the other. It said he took the treasury from the house of God. He wants to rob the tithe. Why the tithe? Because the tithe belongs to God. It doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to me. Every time the tithe is mentioned in Scripture, it doesn't say you give it. It says you return it or you bring it. Because you can't give something unless it's yours. Are you with me? You, if I have your car, I don't show up at your house and say, hey, I want to give you this car. No, I say, hey, I brought it back. I'm returning it to you. Now, I'm going to say something that's very bold, and then I'm going to show you in the Scripture, and you already know the Scripture, and the light bulb is going to go off, and then you can figure out what you want to do with it. If you do not tithe, you have an open door to the devil. I don't believe that. Let me just read Malachi 3. And you say, well, that's in the Old Testament. This whole, this, everything I've preached so far is in the Old Testament. Now, why was it okay to have demons in the Old Testament after our teenagers, but we can't have tithing mean anything because it's in the Old Testament? I mean, you might, might want to check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> Malachi 3. <laughs> Malachi 3, verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. What's the storehouse? The church. Your tithe goes to your church. If this is not your church, you do not tithe here. If this is your church, this is where it goes. That's, and that's, I'm just telling, get mad if you want. I'm just reading God's book, the one that you own. Bring all the tithes in the storehouses. There may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I'll not open the winds of heaven and pour out blessings, there's not room enough to receive. Now, how many would like that Old Testament blessing? Isn't it funny how we want the blessing of the Old Testament, but not the obedience of the Old Testament? Well, now look at verse 11 in your Bible. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit. What does he do? He tries to steal. He will not destroy the fruit of the ground, nor the vine will fail to bear, the, the vine will fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord. That's why he said, bring the tithe. Why? Then I can rebuke the devourer. The devourer is always the enemy in the Bible. God is never a devourer. The enemy is always the devourer. And here's what Malachi, here's what I'm saying. Just Mal, here's what Malachi is saying. He's saying, hey, you're stealing from God because you're not bringing back to him what he gave you, what he entrusts you with. And if you would, he'll open these windows of heaven. But if you don't, no, he can't stand against the devourer. Here's what I'll tell you. The tithe will cost you 10% either way. It will be sown or devoured, but either way, you're not getting it. You don't believe me? When Israel was supposed to, every, every seventh year, they were supposed to, every seventh, seventh, they were supposed to give the land a rest as a tithe to the Lord and not farm intended. But they refused and if you catch it, God counted 
started countering. And when he sent them into bondage, they were in bondage the same amount of years they were supposed to let the ground rest before he delivered them. You're going to give it or he's going he's to devour it, but you're not going to keep it. What you got to ask is, do you want 90% not blessed or 90% with the blessing of God? Because you're only going to get to have 90% at best. Because that's what Malachi said. You can give it or it'll be devoured. All right, that went over well. So here's where I want to end today, and this is what the Lord told me. I want to read you a couple of scriptures. Because here's, here's what... Um, uh, here's what the Lord woke me up with. I wanted to talk about steel, and there's two other things I want to talk about. But today I'm going to pray. And so, Josh, if you're around here, will you come on up to the keys? Um, but um, today we're going we're gonna to take back some stolen things as we close. And it's going to be powerful, I'm just telling you. Um, as I was sitting there trying to get the mind of God, I just felt the Holy Spirit so strong that I'm like, I'm ready for church to start right now. Like, uh, but let me show you what the Bible says, because the enemy steals. He steals from us. But Proverbs 6.31 says, if the enemy is found, he'll have to restore sevenfold. Joel 2.25, remember Joel, um, we don't know exactly when or who Joel, well, we know he's prophesying to the people of God, but it was probably in the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, but it's not really stamped in a way that we would know. But he talks about the past day of the Lord and a coming day of the Lord. But he kind of picks up with what was going on in Israel's time that essentially because they had turned from the Lord, God allowed these locusts or sent these, this army in, just like the Chaldeans, to devour everything. But then in Joel chapter 2, they repent and then God says, I'm going to restore and then God sends a revival. So let me show you this, Joel 2.25. So they repent. They, you know, this, this army of locusts come in to devour, so they turn back to the Lord. And verse 25 says, so I'll restore the years the swarming locusts have eaten. So in other words, I'm going to restore the, the harvest years that they stole. Because for some people, God stole stuff you had. And for some people, God stole stuff God had for, or the enemy stole, the enemy stole stuff you had and for some people, he stole your harvest. He stole stuff that was coming to you. By the way, I've never in my life ever done what I'm about to do. So if you're like, it's one of those preacher things. It's not for me, friends. It's a new territory. But he said, I'm going to restore the years of swarming locusts, of eating the crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, the chewing locusts, my great army that I sent among you. And that's what he said, verse 26. You will eat in plenty and be satisfied. And you'll praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be put to shame. Then you will know that I'm in the midst of Israel and I, the Lord your God, am there and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. And then verse 28, and it shall come to pass that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old man will dream dreams. Your young man will see visions. So in Joel chapter two, here's the progression. Repentance, restoration, revival. That's what God wants to do. And, and I think at our church, we've, I know for me, we, we've seen a lot of repentance. I think Christians are starting to say, God, forgive us. We have not made your house a priority. We've not made your priority. We've allowed sin. We've fallen asleep. We're just not, we're just not doing who you create us to be, you know, or, or called us to do. 
And, and I want us to keep repenting where we need to and getting our hearts clean before the Lord. But today, God says, is a day of restoration. So I want you to stand. And there's three areas that the Lord gave me that I want to pray over specifically um, for you to, I, I believe, for us to be, see restoration from things stolen. Uh, number one is finances. Number two is health. And number three is uh, peace. And let me say specifically what I'm going after is fear and anxiety. So this is what my burden was this morning. So now let me explain something to you. There's a progression. Repentance, restoration. So if you need restoration, you got to ask yourself, do I need repentance first? Okay. In other words, if you want to be restored financially, you got to go back to talking about tithing. Right? And I'm just going to tell you what, I'm just reporting the news. That's really all I am. I just tell you what he told me. Because I don't need your money and the church doesn't need your money. We're fine. In fact, our giving is up. So we have never touched our savings. Our giving is up. We have no debt. We have about $6 million in assets. I'm not saying we've arrived. We've still got a building to build. And, and yes, we want God to, to do it, and he's going to do it through us. I'm just saying, I don't need your money today. Okay? I don't work on commission, and neither do the staff. Right? Because I know people start saying, well, they must need money. No. Like Pastor Mark gave me a report. We're way ahead for this. We're 100% above normal for the month of October. So, so, so when I say I don't need your money, I don't, I don't need it. The church doesn't need it. God doesn't need it. God has proven. He, you're in a church where we've never taken an offering in the history of the church. Never have. And no debt. Six million assets. Okay? I like trusting God. I love you, but I won't trust God. Amen. So I don't need it. But you got to ask yourself, do I need to repent in this area of finances if I want to see God restore finances? In your health, is there, you know, is there just something you need to repent for? And then let me explain something about anxiety when we're talking about fear and anxiety. My experience, and I'm going to do a series after this series on some things like this. Uh, on, I think, mental health issues and, and spirit. Uh, anyway, it'll be, a, never mind. Anyways, point is, Anxiety comes from three places, okay? And because you're made in three parts, body, soul, and spirit. So anxiety can come from a physical issue. It can come from a physical issue, whether that's a chemistry, brain chemistry. So like you have an organ that's a brain and you, you know, and brains, you know, there's your mind and there's your brain. They're not the same. Brain's an organ. And so you can have anxiety and it's a physical issue. Um, you can have anxiety and it's an emotional issue. Like you can have emotional wounds and traumas and things like that, and that gives you anxiety. Because your body, soul, that's your emotions, right? And then you can have anxiety and fear because it's a spiritual issue. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And I'm going to pray for all three because I think God can heal all three. He gives you a sound mind. He'll heal the wounds and traumas of your soul, right? And God can heal your body. So when I get to that, just know I'm covering, covering it all, okay? Um, but I want us to pray together, and uh, I just believe that God's going to move. Woo, I feel it. I just, I got the funny feeling I feel when I feel the funny feeling. All right? And um, will, you, will you pray? Uh, let's bow our heads. Holy Spirit, you come take over this moment. This is about you and your, your work. It's about the kingdom of God. And Lord, right now, I just pray you would show us in this room if there's anything anyone needs to repent for, to, to change our thinking about, 
to where we need to turn our hearts to the Lord or turn our minds to the Lord or, or turn our eyes to the Lord. Like if there's a, if there's a place in our life where, where we're not in sync with you or where maybe we have sin in our lives or, or maybe it's just things we need to deal with before you and with you that's in the way. God, we thank you that grace covers it, but Lord, we want to confess our sin and be forgiven. Like we, we, want, to, we, we want to know that we are completely and wholly reconciled to you, that we are right with you. And so I just want to ask you right now, if that's you in your heart and the Holy Spirit's showing you something, he's like, hey, here's this issue. And it could be unforgiveness or it could be something you did or said or whatever the case may be. It doesn't matter what it is. Jesus has paid for it. But let's go ahead and say, Lord, I confess that and forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness right now. And so that's why, Lord, you know, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize I had this or Lord, I am so sorry. Um, you know, if I haven't trusted you in this way or, or if it's something about tithing or giving or finances, like whatever God's putting on your heart, whatever God's putting on your heart, then I want you to, to just say, Lord, I'm sorry. And forgive me. And now, Lord, we thank you because you restore what the locusts have devoured. God, whatever the enemy has devoured, you restore it. You said, if the thief be found, he would have to repay seven times. And so, Lord, right now, first, we're going to go after finances. So, Lord, I pray right now for the restoration, the restoration of finances, of inheritances, contracts that were stolen, raises or benefits that just were not given, or God, for businesses, for losses, whatever it is, wherever the devourer has worked. God, I pray for the restoration of finances, for increase. God, your word is you would increase us more and more, us and our children. The blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow with it. Above all, you wish we'd prosper and be in health as our soul prosper. Lord, I thank you that you're restoring prosperity to the people of God. Oh, I feel this prophetically. God, you are restoring prophetically. God, right now we declare you're restoring prosperity to the people of God. God, our economy is tied to the economy of heaven, not the economy of earth. Our, our, our livelihood, our provision comes from the abundance of heaven. God, the, the treasure house of heaven. God, you supply according to your riches in glory. So God, we pray today for the release of provision, for the release of prosperity. God, for increase, let it start today with phone calls and emails and texts of offers and businesses and contracts and, and inheritances. And God, let it go throughout the week, God. God, we just declare it. And now I wanna pray for health. God, we thank you that by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. If you're here today and you have an issue, it's a heart issue, just put your hand on your heart. If you have back issues, just put it wherever. Just say, God, I'm gonna put my hand right here, wherever it is. And Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus for healing right now, in Jesus' name, right now, healing and deliverance. Pain has to go. God, muscles are relaxed and, and healthy. God, vertebrae are lining up. Nerves are being released. God, whatever it is, organs, God, are functioning as they should. 
I just declare healing, God, over every person, everybody in this room or online, God, as they're believing you right now, God, for healing right now. God, healing right now. Um, I keep seeing pancreatic cancer. I have no idea if that's for you. Um, but God, I just declare healing in the name of Jesus. Healing in the name of Jesus. God, I rebuke every spirit of infirmity in Jesus' name and declare healing for the people of God in this room right now in the name of Jesus. Chronic back issues, uh, the lower back, um, I guess that's the L spine. Um, healing in Jesus' name, just lining up. Healing, God, we declare it in Jesus' name. Um, blood sugar issues, glucose issues, in the name of Jesus. He arthritic conditions in Jesus' name. Cysts and tumors, God, we just go after those because you've been doing that. So we go after those, God, let them all dissolve. Every cyst, every tumor, God, every growth in the name of Jesus, we command you to dissolve and be gone in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And now, Lord, I pray for those who are dealing with fear or anxiety. And God, first I pray for those, God, it's a physical issue, Lord, chemicals or whatever's going on. God, I pray for healing in their physical body, for healing, God, in their brains. God, for healing and deliverance. Lord, you didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. God, I just bless them and speak soundness of mind, soundness of mind over them. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray for those where it's an emotional issue. Lord, show them what the root is. Show them where the wound is. And God, we pray for healing for the wounds and issues of our soul. God, that so affect our emotions. And so, Lord, I just pray for healing in the soul today and the renewing of the mind today for thought processes, God, that, that perpetuate anxiety. Lord, renew our minds today. Heal our soul today. And God, I also pray for those where it's just a spirit. And in the name of Jesus, I take authority over every spirit of fear warring against the people of God today. And I command you to cease and be removed to go and do not return in Jesus' name. And God, I declare freedom for the captive. God, deliverance for the captive today in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you that you are God and there is none like you. God, we love you. We bless you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Come on, give Jesus praise today. All right, listen, I love you so much. So, prayer team, they're going to sneak up here. Everybody else, we just say a big God bless you. We love you. If you need prayer, please let us pray for you. If God's touching your body, we just want to partner with you, pray for you. If you need a relationship with Jesus, we want to pray for you. Uh, everybody else, you got to go get your kids, all right? So, listen, I love you so much. We'll do part two next week. God bless you.